superpowers on the Super Power Up Podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpower Show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berende, and today I am so excited to be here with Ruthia Lee, and we're discussing creativity, the awakening process, and healing from trauma. Ruthia Lee is a professional dancer and a multidisciplinary artist giving voice to personal and global stories of healing. A trauma and abuse counselor for 23 years, Ruthia is devoted to helping people recover and thrive after surviving unspeakable atrocities. Her aim to both heal and entertain combines at the deepest level in her YouTube show, Advice from a Loving Bitch. The show uses zany humor, therapeutic monologues, compelling interviews, and dance parties to teach people how to transform crippling self-hatred into lasting self-love. She's the author of the book, Trauma into Truth, Gutsy Healing, and Why It's Worth It. And I'm so excited to have her with us here today. Hi, Rathia. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tatiana. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, So I'm going to throw you right in the pool and ask you our opening question. What are your superpowers? Okay, I've been really thinking about this. Um, I think one of my big superpowers is that I, in my work, my creative work, and also maybe as a person too, I have this ability of talking about and addressing really, really hard subjects that are painful and then finding a way to make people laugh about it or um, see it in a, a way that they can dive into it. I have a way of bringing joy and pain together. <clears throat> and I think it has to do with that, I'm, that I crack myself up. I think that's a super, superpower. <laughs> I think I'm really funny and I make myself laugh and that's how I know when my material is working. And I think that's a superpower. Totally. And you are so good at it. I can absolutely attest to that. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've seen some of the ways that you use this superpower, especially through your show, Advice from a Loving Bitch. And I would love to talk a little bit more about this show and just like how it came about. Can you tell us like how it was born? What, how, what was the inspiration behind it? Um, so I've been a live performer for a long time, like my whole adult life. And I do these pieces where I talk about intense things and I get people to laugh about it. And um, at some point I just felt how ephemeral live performances, like it just disappears. I mean, you can have a video of it, but you can't hold on to it. Um, And it's really hard on video to recreate what it was even like. And so I started to think I need to figure out how to have this so anybody can watch it at any time and it's tangible. And somehow, you know, people always said to me, you should have a show, you should have a regular television show, people would say to me. (laughs) Um, So I finally just, the concept came to me that I wanted to tackle self-hatred because I think it's a universal subject. Um, And it's, and I'm really into it. I'm really into this question of what is self-hatred and why do we do it and what's its purpose and Mm. how serve us or not serve us um, because I think there's a good reason for why we hate ourselves. Um, So that became the premise of the whole show. And um, I have so much to say about healing and I love interacting with people. So I just put all my favorite things in my show. 
I, I love to perform. I love to talk about things I care about. I love to, you know, interact with people and, and interview them. I like to put all the people in my life in my show because I think I love everybody so much and I think people are so smart. Um, I like having my daughter in the show because she uh, is just a, a light and full of innocence. And so she really represented the inner child in the show. Yeah, yeah. You talk a lot about the inner child in the show. And I'm, I'm, I would love to just hear, I mean, if anybody watches the show, they can get a real good sense of it. But I would love to hear more of your take on this connection with the inner child and the self-hating voice. And just sort of, you know, you, you, you mentioned you're really curious about where this self-hatred originates from. And, and I would love to know if you, if like doing this show really gave you some insight into that. Oh my God, I can't tell you what I went through doing the show because I had to totally go through what I was explaining. And even though I, I knew about it, I, I got close to self-hatred at a whole other level through this show. It was really, it was really intense for me. Um, but let's see. So, you know, one thing I encourage people and show them how to do on the show is to externalize your self-hating voice because most people hide that part of themselves from themselves. So I had, I really acted out the self-hating voice, like the part that goes, you know, you suck, you're a fucking asshole. Oh, you know, give it up. You'll never get where you want to go. Nobody loves you. You're ugly. You're fat, whatever, you know, just like the, the, the criticizing voice and have people act it out. And I did it in a really real way. I did not. It's a hilarious way too. And it was, yeah. And then, you know, I do inner child work. So I'm a therapist. And so I work with people and I work with trauma. And so um, in the work that I'm trained in is called inner bonding. And um, there's an aspect in that work where you find your core self, you find your essence it's the part of you that is completely intact no matter what you live through. So it's the part of you that's naturally wants joy, naturally wants to express itself. The part of you that wants to connect with other people that loves certain things like nature or um, certain outlets like dancing or moving or even science and math. It's like the part of you that loves things. And so that's your essence. And that's in this work we call the inner child. So the part of you that's just innocent and alive and untouched by pain. Mm -hmm. And so I was showed in my show that the self-hating voice is attacking that part of ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's, it's hiding our light to try to protect ourselves. The self-hating voice is, is a whole mechanism in the human, you know, in human form of how we survive that we attack our light and try to hide it so it won't get hurt. Yeah. What I loved about your show is, and the, this whole like externalizing process, um, because you bring people on to sort of externalize their self-hating voice. And there's this great sense of almost relief that, that took place. I know in myself, and I know I heard this from other people as well to see that, Oh my gosh, these like, horrible negative thoughts that can come in sometimes that feel like I'm so alone in them. And it's just me that has this process and there's something wrong with me and having this process Um, to, to see it externalized and to see it, other people speak their self-hating voice. It's like, Oh, 
this is actually not a unique thing that I'm carrying around. There's nothing special about me that I like beat up on myself all the time and all these other people do it too. And it, for me, it like took, I mean, I've been working in this vein for a long time. And so I, I didn't feel like I was super actively in the process, but there was just like such a beauty of taking the charge away from that. And like any thread that may have been left in me of like, this is just my stuff. It was just like, you ca it can't exist in the face of seeing it so, it's like such a universal thing, at least in our culture. I don't know that it's a universal thing everywhere, but I know especially in our culture, it's, it's real. I would be so curious to know if it is a universal human thing. Well, so I, the reason why that comes up is because I, I just remember hearing this um, interview with the Dalai Lama years ago. And there, he, there were some American therapists that were interviewing him and they were asking him what he, like what advice he gives, what does he do when people come to him and they are hating themselves. And the translator like had to take a really long time to explain to him what that even meant because it like doesn't exist in the Tibetan language. Um, it's just not like they don't have they don't have language for self-hatred. They don't. So like he had to like talk around and sort of create a whole construct in the language to try to relate to the Dalai Lama what this guy was even talking about. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah, I thought it was super fascinating. Um, well, so, yeah. Just because through my study, so I just want to say I just finished 20 episodes. It took me about a year and a half to make 20 episodes of, of my show, which was season one, which just ended. And through my studies of doing this for a year and a half, I just, I found that um, uh, the self-hating voice is really trying to protect us. And it's, it needs love. It needs to be loved. The self-hating voice needs to be loved. And that what gives it its power is the hiding of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's people's shame around the fact that they hate themselves and also the terror of the hatred, what it causes. Like when we hate ourselves, it causes so much fear. It causes depression. It causes shutdown. It causes anxiety. You know, the self-hatred causes so many unbearable feelings that then it seems really scary to then take it out and look at it. But you're right. The feedback I've been getting from people is the relief. There's a lot of relief of getting it out and looking at it. And, and the absurdity. There's a great absurdity when you really do the self-hating voice. You're like, that's crazy. That's not, that's not right. Totally. And when you watch other people doing it, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, you're so, like, I can see your beauty. I can see your essence, you know. And, yeah, there's a, it, it loses its power, I think, when, you know, anytime anytime we bring these, these shadow emotions or these shadow pieces forward, they, they really, they lose their potency. They lose their ability to have a hold on us. Um, I really want to dive into something that you said when we go into the high vibe deep dive after the break, but we are going to take a quick break here. Um, so we've been talking with Rusia Lee about creativity, the awakening process and healing from trauma. Rusia, before we go to break, where can people go to find out more about you? So my website is rathia.com and just all, everything I do is on there. But if you want to see the show, you can either go to YouTube and put in advice from a loving bitch and there it will be. There's a channel which has all the shows on it. Or you can just go to my website and go to rathia.com slash advice. 
And that's rythea.com slash advice. I really highly recommend you check out her show. Um, all right, Rathia Lee, Creativity, The Awakening Process, and Healing from Trauma will be back in just a second. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Okay, we're back. Um, so something you said before the break, Ruthia, about the about the self-hating voice really... Um, so I, I tend to look at everything as a micro of a macro and vice versa. And you said something about what the self-hating voice really needs is love, right? That, I'm, I want to make sure that I'm getting your words correct. Yes. Yeah. Which is easier said than done. And it's a really hard thing to do. Totally easier said than done. And yet it just sparked for me, you know, we're in this like really intense time right now on the planet. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so if, we, if we're taking this, like looking at the macro and the, or the micro as the macro and, and you know, just like really looking at them as interrelated, mm-hmm. um, what I've been, I've, I've found myself often in conversations with people, you know, we, we live in a very progressive area here in the Valley in Western Massachusetts. And, you know, a lot of what is coming out in, uh, especially our American culture right now, but I think in the world at large, but especially here in the U.S., is this voice of hatred that is really pronounced mm-hmm. and is coming out. And and what I what I keep coming to, you know, I don't I don't defend the voice of hatred at all, and yet, like, I just keep coming back to this place of this voice needs love, and like, what is it that how did this voice get so strong? How did it originate? And how can we, like you say in your show, apply love? You know, you have a, <laughs> I love that moment where it's like, all right, don't worry, we're going to expose this, but then we're going to go back and apply love. I would just love to hear like your take on that. If we were to look at this on the macro level. Jeez, that's such a big question. Um, I know. I'm sorry to just throw you into that, but it just like came through and I'm like, I really want to talk about this. I want to hear what Rufia has to say from her perspective of, of this right. place. There's so much, there's so many different ways I could go at it. One is, um, so I think something, a big piece of my work is about people taking responsibility for their own consciousness, mm-hmm. uh, which means... Um, committing to some kind of a healing process, some way of turning inward and really exploring their beliefs, their feelings, their traumas, like going inward, turning the focus inward, which I I really think is counterculture. Even though we have such a new age, you know, and there's all this growth going on, I still think the, you know, the mass consciousness is still about achievement and what you're doing and getting things done. And, you know, it's busy, busy, busy. And the busier you are, the more successful you are. Just, you know, 
all of that image and you know it's still so pounding constantly the addiction is just like such an addictive culture of doing and totally. i think my work is a lot about you know healing having a healing process is actually a lifestyle that's worthy and and necessary um mm -hmm. so i think i'm having people like really i'm really saying start with yourself you have to start with yourself yeah and then there's all these systems of oppression going on. There's the institutional oppressions going on and sexism, racism, children are horribly oppressed and abused. I mean, it's just, you know, ableism and it's, it's everywhere. And I, and I'm learning a lot about that in my own, in my own life, especially about racism. I'm doing a lot of work around that. I'm learning about it and figuring out how to um, uh, get my internalized racism out front and look at it so I can mm -hmm. shift my patterns. Mm -hmm. So I do think we start with ourselves and then we engage from there. And that's how these bigger institutionalized um, systems break down. I think you're totally spot on with that. I think you, that's, that's absolutely correct. And I agree with you a thousand percent. Mm. And, that, and that's why I think that your work and this show in particular is so important right now because that voice of hatred is so loud in our larger culture that we really do need to be doing that work in ourselves. We need to be looking at all the places that we are hating ourselves and that we are then, you know, hating others. And how can we, how can we transform that within ourselves so that this larger picture can shift? Cause I don't think it's going to shift until we're doing that work, which is why I love you. And I love your show and I love everything that you're doing. And I want to just let, like let everybody that I can know about what you're doing. Cause it's so powerful. Thank you. Yeah. And I think we're, we're really in alignment with that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about creativity because one of the, one of the things about your show that is just so inspiring is how willing you are to just kind of like be totally weird and crazy on camera. And like, and again, there's this like relief and this freeing thing that happens to see somebody be willing to just like show up on camera, put it online let it go viral and like be totally weird and be totally okay with that. Um, there's like such a beauty in that and such a, such a power in that. And I would just love to hear from you, you know, how you came to your creative process and, and it maybe if somebody is, is new to creativity, maybe if they're like, if that's not an easy avenue for them, if that's not an easy outlet for them, what are some ways to, to get started and to ease into allowing some of their creative juices to flow? Okay. Well, first of all, I, I just, uh, Tatiana, you were there, but I just did this um, big screen showing of my episodes. I, so I showed 20 episodes all at once to an audience. Um, and seeing everybody together having reactions rather than just, you know, alone, um, you know, getting emails or talking to people about it, like having it be a live experience was so cool. And mm -hmm. I was like, I'm so out there. Like I was watching myself and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I did this. I'm such a whack job. Um, <laughs> it's so awesome. I was so blown away by myself, I have to say, because I couldn't believe like all these subjects that I tackled and then just it was so 
dynamic and there was so much going on and um, I have no idea why I'm like this. This is just who I am. I don't even know how it is that I preserve this part of myself because I had, you know, a childhood from hell. I mean, there's just no logical reason that I should be free creatively. My family wasn't especially creative at all. I mean, I don't even know how I got like this. Um, it's just who I am. It's somehow, I, re I do remember when I was around age 10 and I discovered dance I had like a spiritual awakening. I, I was like, this is it, you know, this is it. And then I spent hours and hours and hours and hours by myself making choreography and dancing and, you know, creating by myself. Um, so I think it was the thing that saved me. Um, and I also think that, you know, I'm pissed off. Like that's, that's the bitch part. Like I'm so pissed at the way that the world is and the things that happen to people and the things that happen to me. So I think I'm edgy. I have this edge that I think that's mm -hmm. part of why I express the way I do is because I'm pushing against things. I'm not just la 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 making art. I'm like pissed. I'm, I feel radical about things. I have feelings. <laughs> I have feelings. <laughs> so I think the feelings is what opens up the range of how I express myself. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of people, um, who want to be creative or don't even know that they're creative. I actually think my show and focusing on self-hatred and moving it and, and learning how to uh, bring in the love part is how you get to your creativity. I actually think my show is a map towards the creative life. And there's an episode on creativity, uh, episode 16. I can't believe I know that. Uh, which talks directly about creativity and how it's not a product, it's a process. Yeah, I think, I think you're, I think you're right, actually. The, the show really is very inspiring in that way. I know for myself, um, moving through the body has been a really powerful um, form of creativity for me, you know, whether it's dance or theater, or, you know, just like letting my body move, but especially dance. There's a, there's a, there's a freedom in that, that that you can access through the body that's unlike anything else, I think. And and I love, you know, at the so if you haven't seen her show, Advice from a Loving Bitch, at the end of every episode, Ruthia has a little dance party. Um, sometimes it's by herself, sometimes it's with the people that she's um, interviewed in the show or is working with in the show. And again, it's just it's it's like you take you take dance out of this like perfection box that I think a lot of people have put it in and you just let it be like movement through the body and expression and joy and there's a freedom in that and it's it really is like you are modeling through this show how to how to be creatively expressed how to be totally free in the body and free in in one's creative flow and I think it's just such a beautiful thing yeah, thank you so great yeah. reflections that's great yeah, well, I think we need more of that in the world. You know, we don't, we don't see that enough. We're really fed these sort of, you know, perfectly manicured images of what we're supposed to look like, what our homes are supposed to look like, what our environment is supposed to look like. And, and you know, I think there's a, there's a lot that can happen inside of a person in trying to keep up with that um, and in, in, in striving, you know, for, for some cookie cutter version of, of what success and what, you know, perfection looks like. And, and what I, I just love about what you're doing is it just kind of shatters all of that. And, and it's like, 
you know, screw what you think success is supposed to look like. This is what freedom looks like. And, and the, the feeling that comes through that is so much more powerful than any, you know, image or version of success that I've ever seen displayed. It's like what you're displaying is true freedom and true love and like the courage to be and live inside of that. And it's just so, so, so valuable and so needed right now. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. I want to say one thing about, um, I just think that having a healing process, which means opening to your feelings and, and then trauma, you know, opening to your traumas is really the hardest thing ever. It is so hard. And I think that we need support. You know, there's, there's whole bunches of things that need to be in place in order to have a healing process. Um, so what, what are some of those things? I think that we need, I mean, we, it would be great if we had a culture where having a healing process was even um, on this, you know, on the map, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that it was something people do. Like, instead of, what do you do? You know, people ask, what do you do? You know, which is usually, what is your work? But it was like, but it was like, you know, what's fulfilling to you these days? Or what are you working on? Or, you know, what are your challenges? You know, if there was actually a culture of people having uh, an inner world. Um, but anyway, uh, things that need to be in place are some kind of support. I mean, I, I, I'm a therapist or I'm a counselor. Uh, so I believe in that. I think it's not easy to find the right fit of a counselor. And I think that almost anyone can become a therapist. So it's hard to find people that really have done their own work. I think that's what makes a good counselor. But I think counseling is great. I think, you know, support groups, you know, any kind of support. I mean, I teach peer counseling. So I teach people to counsel each other. And that is also very unusual and rare. Um, I think that books can be super helpful. I think now there's so much more resources than ever, ever, ever online. You know, like there's EFT, there's tapping, you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways that you can um, find tools, but ultimately it's about having people in your life who can see you and support you in your, um, in your feelings. Yeah, and there's also a piece in that I just did a um, a presentation about this, about, you know, in order to have people who are willing to support you and, and, you know, hold you in your feelings, you have to be willing to be vulnerable enough to share those with the people in your life. Yeah. That's right, so it's, it's a two-way it's street. The point I wanted to say is it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. I, I, I hope that I, I think that I show that in my show. I'm, I'm talking all the time about like, oh God, this is kicking my ass. Or like, I'm terrified. I'm doing it anyway, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because it's really, that's why people don't do it. It's really, really hard to relive things that you hoped you could put away forever. Well, and is reliving it necessary or is it just being present with and like expressing what's coming up now which may or may not have to do with what happened before i mean oftentimes it does but it's like on a certain level you have to you have to, you have to be present with what what's moving through you in the moment right yes but i do think that there is some level of reliving things that hurt that you never got to feel mm. uh and having the support to realize it's safe to feel it now. It wasn't safe to feel it then, and it is now. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't think, 
I do think there's, I don't think we have to relive every single horrible thing or every horrible moment, but I think there is chunks of it that we do have to look at and face. Like the child that got left behind, the child that never got to express his or her, their rage, uh, grief, terror. Like there's some of that you do have to relive on some level. If that child, if there was like a dissociation process and you weren't able to actually be present with it when that was going. Those people. Right. Yes, exactly. Things that got shut down because that's another thing is like the, the joy and the pain as far as I've seen are all in the same place. So if you want to get to the joy, you have to be willing to feel the pain. That's why Mm -hmm. I say hard. It's like you're willing to like really grieve, then you get to experience joy. Uh, you get to really rage about things that happen that were not okay to you. Then you get life force and then you get to take action in your life. Like they, they're paired. Like Rumi talks about the house, get it out by fire. That's always been a really like potent analogy for me in my own personal experience with these processes of just like letting it, it's like you, you have to let it burn through you. Mm-hmm. so that you can then be that container and that vessel for the joy, for the ecstasy, for the bliss, for those like union experiences. Yeah. And I think we, we live in a culture of um, spiritual bypass where people just right. go for the enlightenment and go for instant gratification and they don't want to have to feel the pain. I understand that. I want that too. <laughs> totally. And, and it doesn't work though. The, the shadow stuff, the shadow stuff does tend to come and bite you in the butt if you don't somehow move it and, and let it through. Yeah, just I don't know how much time we have, but I thought maybe I should say something about sexuality since this show has the word sex in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that creative force is absolutely like directly connected. We've got a couple more minutes. What do you want to say about sex with you? Oh, I don't want to say about sex. Um, well, just that I don't think sex is like a separate energy in a box in our human bodies it's part of everything else so it's part Mm -hmm. of this whole discussion Mm -hmm. Um, pleasure uh authenticity you know being able to express ourselves creatively or even just as people and even emotionally is directly connected to our sexuality um so it's just part of this discussion on some level (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I, that's something that I work with with my clients too, is, you know, if you're going to start, if you want to be opening up those sexual channels, those creative channels are going to want to open up too. And that's part of that, you know, there's part one in the same force that's coming through. And it's just all about channeling it in different directions and in different ways, but it's, it's, it's opening up that channel and it's the same channel. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I work with survivors of sexual abuse. I'm an incest survivor. It's a big, big uh, place of um, activism for me is helping survivors mm-hmm. and helping people with repressed memory in particular. Uh, and it's something I feel I have a lot of rage and grief about the sexual abuse, the rampant sexual abuse in our, in our country in particular but all over the world, but really just what children live through is so astonishing to me. So that's a big, uh, episode 19 is about that, (laughs) uh, childhood sexual abuse. And I'm just really out about that and have a lot of fire 
and juice around healing that. So um, that's just a piece of my work I thought I should mention because I, I think, you know, I wrote, a, I wrote a book, I have a book about healing trauma and um, I just think it's a good resource. Yeah, absolutely. And is that book on your website as well? Uh, yeah, it's also on Amazon. It's called Trauma Into Truth, Gutsy Healing and Why It's Worth It. And awesome. it really, yeah, it's a question and answer format. So it's all these questions about the healing process, which is really what we're talking about. So just thought I should mention it. And, um, and it's also related to people living through sexual trauma. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a big one, you know, I think, especially with, for a lot of women, I mean, men experience it too, but it's, it's pretty rampant. And it's like one in three or something women, right. Um, who have lived through some kind of, of sexual abuse. And, and so to, to be able to access, it's kind of like you were talking about the pain and the pleasure to be able to access pleasure in our sexuality. We kind of have to go through that process of burning out those painful experiences so that we can then go and have like genuine ecstatic blissful experiences in our sexuality but there is you know to get there you can't it's like you have to you have to go through the tunnel exactly that's that yeah 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 well Rithia, i just want to thank you so much for coming on today this was such a juicy conversation for me and i love you so much and um i can't wait to give you a hug in real time um, again, Rithia's um, website is rithia.com, R-Y-T-H-E-A.com. And if you want to see her show, it's rithia.com slash advice, or you can search advice from a loving bitch on YouTube. Um, do yourself a favor and watch that show and, and you know, do the, do the um, assignments that she gives at the end with friends or or family or any kind of group that you're working with this work is so powerful and so needed right now and like we mentioned if we're going to actually have an impact on the the larger picture we have to be doing this work in ourselves so thank you so much Rithia for coming on today it's been such a joy to have you and um, until next time go give yourself some love so that you can love the world more fully <laughs> Thanks. many blessings yeah. Bye. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.